Today's episode of Your Stories is brought to you by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it for free in your app store. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not, not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story and their story is your story and then it's our story and then it's a podcast so it's everybody's story and then you've shared it and gosh that's great huh and even if you don't think you're a nerd you probably are it's easily the most midwestern thing i've ever been a part of everybody, Eric Arnaud back again with another episode of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast. This week, you've got the second part of a show we recorded last weekend down in southern Illinois, completely booked and hosted by my dear friend Ben Rather. The theme of the show, From Scratch. Now, at the risk of spoiling one of the big announcements of the episode, I feel like I have to tell you up front that Ben is going to keep your story Southern Illinois edition, or whatever it's going to be called. Uh, he's going to keep it running a couple times a year. I am so excited and heartened by this. Ben is just the best guy, and there's no one more qualified to run a Your Story show than him, and I'm counting myself in that, by the way. Uh, so in this episode, you'll get me talking a little bit about how that came to be, plus stories from the one and only John Lester, a favorite from our fifth anniversary show, uh, as well as Trish Pfeiffer, who tells a story so good she gets the first standing ovation this podcast has seen in seven and a half years. I'm pretty positive about that. That is incredible. Uh, also, you're going to hear some music from me. And what about the Your Stories we do in Chicago? Well, that's going to keep going, too, in some capacity. I'll have more information on that soon. In the meantime, you should check out an incredible pair of episodes that we'll release over the next couple weeks. We recorded last night. Uh, the stories were fantastic. It's just a month of goodness here on the show. Uh, and we'll have some more information to share about the future of the Chicago episodes as well. So in the meantime, to Ava, Illinois, we go. Welcome back. I hope your drinks are refreshed. I hope you're feeling good and enjoying the beautiful Southern Illinois forest around us here at Scratch Brewery. Uh, from Scratch, here we are. They make most of their beers from stuff they find in the woods. That when you when you first hear about that, you think, well, that's mostly poison. Uh, you, you, uh, humans should like it's got cedar on there. Fine, but you can't eat a tree made out of cedar. Except yes, actually, most of the stuff in there is perfectly fine and good to brew with, and it gives an interesting flavor. Um, so you find beers at Scratch that you're not going to find anywhere else on Earth, and that's one of the reasons they're my favorite brewery for, for all that. Um, anyway, 
we got three excellent speakers coming up in this uh, last half of the show, and I'm so excited. Uh, and not least of which, I'm excited because uh, we're going to get two wonderful songs from Mr. Eric Garneau, one of my favorite troubadours, of course. Uh, to, to introduce uh, this next song, it, it's, it's an Elton John song, just to, to clear the air on that. Um, yeah, yeah, you can keep your opinions to yourself, madam. Uh, get this out of the way. Elton John, I'm a huge fan. Let's start from the beginning there. I listen to his music from the time I was little up until the present. He's still alive somehow, and that's great because I'm going to listen to the music until he's dead. Uh, Give me every, every minute of Elton Hercules John in my life. Uh, but it, I, I really, really got with him in like what he was trying to communicate at me as a young adolescent boy. Boy, howdy, he, he struck some nerves that never left. Uh, they, they keep resonating to this day. Um, I picked this next song because he, for most of his career that he's famous for, was high on drugs, cocaine, and just running around like a madman. If you would like that to be illustrated, go see Rocket Man uh, in theaters now. Uh, my mom took me on a date to go see it uh, last week, and it was really, really great. She made a point to say, we have to go see this, Ben, because she knows how much Elton John means to me, and we had a fabulous time. Um, but this song that Eric's going to do for us, um, he wrote it after he decided to get sober. Um, early 90s, he went into rehab for a few years, and he'd been living a better life for himself. And at this point, he wrote and produced and recorded this song, which is reflective of him as a young man and where he's come, his scratch from where he came. Um, so, Eric, I'm going to hand it to you, sir. You said you don't listen to Elton John's music until he dies. Do you stop listening to people's music when they pass? Uh, one, one last listen to this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. That's fun. Um, <laughs> I'm cutting a verse in this song because there was a word I'm not allowed to say in it, which I know you're thinking like, Elton John, what words can he say that Eric can't? Well, you're not going to find out, but you can read the lyrics online if you want to. <laughs>
sober and he, he like at the point when he's decided to do better for himself he's then I'm still standing comes on which of course you know I'm still standing after all this time um, and, and it made me think like I think that song would might have been a better fit too you know like it's made in England he's, he's saying who he is after all these struggles and I didn't realize how horrible his life was um, it turns out that if you live your entire life on stage and behind a camera doing cocaine it's not good for your brain um, or the people around you or any anybody you're intimate with um, anyway uh, Elton John forever uh, <laughs> <laughs> Our next storyteller tonight uh, to uh, sweep me off the stage and, and do better than the job I am of hosting uh, is someone we had last year who was such a delight, such a wonderful presence to have on the stage with such a great story, uh, it, it, and I'm just delighted that she was going to come back. She, there was, she had, uh, apparently there was a choice so at some point whether she would go to Bonnaroo or come to this, and I'm scratch. glad that she chose this instead of I had Bonnaroo. a really I'm difficult sure time coming up with a story <laughs> for this thing, because I don't do a lot of things from scratch anymore. There was a time when I was married that I tried to do almost all of our cooking from scratch, even going so far as to grow almost all our own fruits and veggies and then can and freeze them for the winter. But as delicious as that was, I never really found much satisfaction in the process. For me, it was the product that mattered, healthy food for my family. I don't have any good stories about it to share, only memories of drudgery, hot kitchens, dusty gardens... I'm divorced now, and I have to admit, I absolutely love not being responsible for every meal. Do you realize that kids and husbands want to eat three meals a day, <laughs> plus snacks? It's too much work, and I love that I don't have to do it from scratch anymore, because I don't have a husband who requires that of me anymore. Which brings me to what I'd like to focus on tonight. I'd like to focus on processes I do enjoy, the processes of growth and healing, that's what I get from a scratch. You know, like a scratch on your leg from itching a mosquito bite, or a scratch on your back from a moment that got really intense. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm going to get a little more esoteric about it and talk about a scratch on my psyche. A deep groove I've carried around since childhood. How it's shaped my life and how I've come to heal it. This story is kind of like a part two to the story I told last year, or maybe a little flip side or something. It's the part of the story I wasn't ready to tell because it was far more personal and I was embarrassed. That episode, if you want to hear it, is from June 18th, 2018. It's called Homebrew, Part 1. So uh, let's start with the culprit, the evil entity that scored this idea into my brain, that marred me to a point of almost complete non-function. The infliction was subtle, definitely seemingly innocent. But this scratch robbed me of my confidence, my independence, and my self-respect. When the scratch had festered to its deepest point, it infected every aspect of my life. There were days upon days, hell years, that I could barely get out of bed. I questioned everything about myself, whether I was even worthy of life. 
I was convinced my children would be better off without me and that my husband deserved someone better than me. The intensity of the symptoms seem as though they would have stemmed from some kind of abuse. And in a way, that is true. But I never would have allowed the kind of abuse I suffered if I had not accepted as true the mythologies that pervaded my childhood. Stories told to me by a real wolf in sheep's clothing. Stories told to me by Disney. I mean that. That's right, by Disney. I grew up in the 80s and the 90s at the height of the Disney princess era. My parents were loving, but they were distracted. And as an only child, I was often alone. Mostly alone, actually. And I really identified with those princesses. Ariel, the little mermaid, who was misunderstood by her family and gave up her voice for the love of a man she had only seen and never knew. Jasmine, confined inside a castle, prevented from exploring the world, no friends but a tiger, who saw her prince as her only way to see the world. And most of all, Belle, her dark eyes and brown hair reminded me of myself, as did her love for books and her devotion to her father. She was the princess in Beauty and the Beast. And her story, her gentle love and sacrifice, turns a beast into a prince. A person who kept her prisoner becomes her greatest love. I didn't know it as a child, but I internalized these stories and replayed them again and again in my own life. From Ariel, I learned to believe in love at first sight, that sacrifice is the truest form of love. From Jasmine, that I needed a man to rescue, protect me, and show me the world. That freedom for a woman depended on an attachment to a man. And from Belle, that true love, patience, and gentleness could turn an abusive monster into a kind and loving human. All of these scratches in my self-worth combined in a child desperate for love and attention uh, to make a young woman who suffered from tremendously low self-esteem. I had a series of boyfriends who didn't treat me well. I had successes in school, but I never focused much on those. Always I was more concerned with finding my other half, my soulmate, my prince. I bent over backwards for these men, but ultimately they left me. Probably because it's hard to value someone who doesn't really value themselves. Or maybe because it just wasn't a good fit. I finally realized that my focus had been in the wrong place. I set out to figure out how to be alone. I signed up for a semester abroad in Finland in winter. Sounds like a really lonely place, right? (laughs) A few months before I was set to leave, I met my future ex-husband. I knew he was for me immediately. I can still remember pristinely the exact moment I first saw him. He walked into my friend's house and asked for her. I immediately asked another friend, who's that? And he went straight to my friend and asked about me. We were inseparable very quickly. He was very attentive to me. I never had reason to question his feelings for me. He wanted to spend all his spare time with me. He told me every day, multiple times a day, that he loved me. He loved me so much that when he saw me kiss another man for a scene I was acting in, he punched the air vents in my car to pieces, cutting up his own hands. I never acted in a scene with men after that. And when I went abroad to Finland, he called me so many times a day, he could have paid to visit me twice. I was on the phone with him so much, I missed out on a lot of that journey, but it didn't bother me. I was in love. When I returned home, we moved in together, and shortly after that, I was pregnant. Soon, I was marrying my love. But he always had an anger problem, and a control problem. And it didn't matter how gentle and kind I was. This didn't change. He didn't show me the world. He kept me from it. And I gave up my voice so I could keep him from becoming angry. 
I thought that when two people really love each other, they work on these things together, and that true love could heal any problems we could encounter. But he told me I didn't work hard enough. I was lazy and didn't try enough. When I suggested things weren't working out, he reminded me that I am a quitter, because I had switched jobs a few times after graduation, mostly because his nursing degree was a higher priority than my, de- my career. Someone had to care for the baby. Besides, I wasn't smart enough for a better job anyway, even though I had graduated cum laude while I was suffering from a difficult pregnancy. But I knew I was strong. He was never able to convince me I wasn't. My children taught me that through their births and the work of raising them. Additionally, I observed women around me in my work as a doula. and That's a woman who supports the non-medical aspects of labor and birth. There, I repeatedly saw women draw on resources of strength they didn't know they had. And I came to believe that I had those resources, too. It was the day he told me he'd kill me if I ever left him that I started making plans to leave. It was a covert operation because I was scared. But I found the strength within me to give myself the world. And I put my love for books to use and went to law school. I just finished my first year. I'm in the top ten of my class and on the dean's list. And I regained my voice right here in this room at Scratch Brewery, sharing my story at the request of my friend Ben last year and today. So 80s and 90s Disney princess stories can stuff it. (laughs) (laughs) They really can. I don't need another half. I can give myself the world. I am my one true love, and that love was not instantaneous. It's been a more than 30-year learning process. But I'm here now, and I'm happier than I've ever been. The scar I carry from that scratch in my psyche that festered to the point I nearly lost my life has made me stronger than I ever imagined. And I will use my experience and my degree to work towards giving every woman an opportunity to see her own strength and fall in love with herself. I'm not a person who buys into that whole no regrets business. I do have regrets. I've made choices I would take back, and one of them is watching all those Disney's movies again and again and again. I've shown them to my children, though, and I point out where I think they've failed to support young girls as whole humans. But even so, I am grateful for my scars and the love for myself they have inspired and the life I am making for myself from scratch. Well, I don't need to tell you exactly when she told her story because she told you exactly when she told her story last year. But if you don't know it, I recommend you go back and listen to it because it was a hell of a tale. Um, my gosh, Trish, I, 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 I want to think of something funny to say. I, I, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I'm nothing. Somebody else has a funny story. <laughs> third, time, third time's a charm on that. No, beautiful tale. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to hear about that. It's going, going better. You know, it's not to say that life is, is perfect or anything, but, you know, pulling the splinter out is, is the beginning. And, and it, there's the ups and downs of the healing process from there. But I'm, I'm glad you could get to the root of it. I'm, I'm amazed with myself. Um, my wife, Nikki, uh, here tonight, a beautiful, compassionate, wonderful person, uh, can attest that I, I don't really get my own psyche very well at all. Like, the number of times we'll be talking about something and, like, there's another 
deeper problem or something else on my mind that I'm, I'm not talking about. And I was like, oh, wow, you're right. There is something else that I've been hiding from myself that I'm not even letting myself get to talk about or what the larger issue is because humans are complicated messes. <laughs> anyway, moving along, moving along. Um, our second to last speaker, our penultimate speaker, is someone who is like also in law school. Uh, he has uh, finished his first year, uh, currently on his internship uh, with a firm in, not a firm, you're working with the state in Springfield, uh, correct? Yeah, the government. Yeah, yeah sure, good, good, yeah. <laughs> government, uh, for all that. Uh, John's a veteran to this show, he knows how these stories go, uh, and one of my best friends uh, did go to high school with my wife, but I didn't know that until years later, because uh, essentially he's the reason that I'm married. Uh, right, right now, but uh, long story for all that. Uh, John is uh, a person who is strong, independent, um, never scared to give his opinion, although honestly, his opinion is always a good one, so I'm going to take it when I hear it. Uh, but everybody, Mr. John Lester. This is the most ringing endorsement I've ever gotten, Ben. <laughs> Can you just like follow me around and like tell people those things? That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, so, really happy to be here. Love being on your stories anytime I can. Uh, really excited to be at Scratch. So I own two growlers. One is from Bell's Brewery in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where I lived for four years. The other is from Scratch Brewing, which I have not been any closer to DeCoin until this very evening. So, very excited about this. So, I actually had a different story written down, but I called an audible on this because... Um, I was really inspired by Ben singing the Dixie Chicks. Um, so I'm from a small town in central Illinois. Uh, I currently live uh, in New England, but uh, the Dixie Chicks like make my heart swell in a country boy way. Like it just it brings me back to the good things that I really loved about growing up in a small town. So uh, one of my favorite things about growing up in a small town was we had to create our own fun from scratch. <laughs> yeah! Uh, get the theme. Branding. So, so, and we were in high, so we were in high school, you know, you'd think we'd come up with something more mature or we'd be out drinking in the cornfield or the river bottoms like most of our classmates were doing. But what we ended up doing with most of our Friday and or Saturday nights was playing Capture the Flag. So... And these were not small games. Uh, we had a class of 48 people uh, for my year. Our entire high school had about 150 people in it total. Uh, and we would have about 15 to 20 people at a minimum playing these games from like all, all the ages around us. So we had one main arena for this, and we were all really familiar with this one arena. Uh, arena, I guess, quotes, because it was somebody's yard, uh, front and back, you know. It was a... Big spread. So we knew where all the best hiding spots were. We knew where the sight lines were. We knew it was a really bad idea to go Navy SEAL commando in the pond and try to swim underneath to try to get the flag on the other side because it does not work. And then you are very cold and wet. One of us found that out the hard way and no one else had to do it. It was great. Um, but we played that for years and we were kind of looking for something new. So one of our friends was like, why don't we do it at my house? So this was my friend Bethany. I had known Bethany since we were five or six years old. Uh, Nikki knows Bethany, and so is giggling. Um, so I had never been to Bethany's house, though. So I had known her for over a decade and never been to her house. 
this did not strike me as weird when we decided to go out there. And I'm like, oh, I've never even driven down this road before. I didn't know this was here. Oh, how about that? So we get out there. And what I didn't realize was Bethany's family didn't own a farm, per se. But it sure looked like one. Because they own... I would call it Noah's Ark's worth of animals, but there was more than one man or one male and female of every variety. It was entire families of, of rabbits, turkey hens, cows, there were bees, there were definitely coyotes in the woods, they had like seven different dogs and cats, and they were just everywhere. So we get there, we're like, okay, we can work with this, you know, we'll set up a flag on this side, a flag on this side, get a boundary, it'd be great. So I'm set to defend one of the flags, and normally these games last about half an hour, about half an hour, 45 minutes, someone will get the flag, carry it across, you guys have played the game, or you've seen TV, so you know how this works. About an hour and 15 minutes into this evening, and no one has come even close to the flag, I'm still sitting there next to the slightly open septic tank on this side, <laughs> where the thought hadn't occurred to us that in the dark someone might fall into the hole that was person-sized, at least, in the, the movement of the cement cap. Um, also, I know there are coyotes because the, 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 it was in the back of the house and it backed up to these woods that were impossibly close. I can't stress to you how close these trees were together. <laughs> I am a skinny person. I'm not sure I could fit through those trees. I don't know how they survived. But there are definitely coyotes howling very close. So I go, I'm done with this now. I'm going to go get the other flag. I'm going to end this game. Other people might be dead, like maybe it'll be quick, and I can just go. So I kind of go out, and they have this little lane that was next to the house, and so I'm army crawling all the way across because it's super necessary to do this and capture the flag. So I'm army crawling for quite a while, and I go back around into the cow pasture, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to sneak through the cows. They're asleep. I'm going to go back through this little area, and I can see the flag. It's right there. It's right there next to the fire. I'm like, I'm going to go through this pen that I don't remember what's in here, but I'm sure it's fine. Oh. And it'll be great. Oh. So I hop the fence, and it's very muddy. I'm like, this isn't pigs. I know this isn't pigs. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, it'll be fine. So I'm sneaking across. I'm like, all right, there's no one around. I'm definitely going to get this flag and this game. This nightmare will be over. <laughs> and then I hear... You know those movies, that are, the big disaster movies, when the hills explode around them or come to life or something like that? It was a lot like that. Because suddenly, eyes appear next to me on this old truck as all the turkeys and turkey hens and like, and like fowl awaken. And they are pissed. So... I really don't remember what my thought process was, but there was a split second where I thought, I can still get this flag. <laughs> I can do it. No. I haul it out of there. I almost fall face first into what is definitely not only mud. There's definitely other stuff in there. Haul an ass out of there while I can hear them flapping and like trying to fly or whatever the hell they do. <laughs> I should know this, but I don't. But they're chasing me out of the pen. So I just die back over the cow pen and I go, done. Like, game over, not playing anymore, and I just quit. So this was the only time I'd ever quit these games. 
So, my takeaway from this story is um, there are a lot of the great things about living in the country, but always watch where you step. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, obviously, Bethany will be clued into this podcast having been recorded, so thank you, Bethany, uh, for that wonderful tale, John. <laughs> Courtesy of Bethany. Anyway, all right, very good, very good. Our last speaker tonight, uh, who could possibly follow that act, uh, is uh, Mr. Eric Arnaud. He is the uh, originator of this podcast, of your stories. So, uh, the, excellent, yes. Uh, so t- just just a little preamble before he comes up here. So this podcast has meant the most to me, possibly of anybody. Wait, ben, I'm going to say what we talked about earlier, but yeah. I'm going to say it too. Yeah, sure. No, just a little bit. Okay. Just, 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 edit doesn't need it here. This podcast has meant uh, mo- some of the most to me there. I, I've been able to actually stay connected with some friends who live far away from me because they're able to tell their stories through this and they're... I'm able to get the whole thing out, even though I'm not able to call them as regularly as I'd like to. Um, it's a wonderful experience and a great place to share stories and hear wonderful music that I love hearing. And I am honored to have been part of it in a small way and for whatever the future may hold. But I want to hand it over to Mr. Eric Garneau. I quit doing the show in December and yet I keep getting asked back. All right. You can listen to me for a few minutes. Uh, I can't believe we got through a whole show with a theme from scratch and no one stole my opening line. I'm so happy that I get to be the first person up here to say, there's a wonderful Carl Sagan quote that says, if you would create an apple pie from scratch, first you have to, thank you, first you have to create the universe. Now what that means, right, is that we're all, we all depend on the things that have come before us, that nothing is ever from scratch because we're not the creators of everything, that we're using things that others have put in our lives, whether it's some uh, like holy presence or whether it's just other people who have tread the paths that we have tread uh, before. As Oasis once said, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and that got me thinking about what is like the most original thing that I have created. Like, what, what can I say pretty definitively I have made from scratch? So when I was a kid, and <laughs> regrettably when I was a teenager as well, I wrote lots of fan fiction. Clearly, clearly that's not from scratch. I've talked about that on this show before. Uh, lots of people created things like He-Man and She-Ra and Transformers and just let my childish mind run wild on those things. So... Clearly there I was, uh, I was influenced by people who have come before. Uh, if we look at my adult life, so I feel like I've always been partnered with, with giants in some way. So right out of college I opened a business with two other people. I certainly didn't do that alone. I bought a business from someone who had established it previously. Uh, none of us had business degrees and we ran it to the ground in four years. What a good learning experience. <laughs> Let's take that off the list. Um, I'm currently working on creating, honestly, I think kind of a, and I hate to put it in these terms, but when it's public, you'll know what I'm talking about, kind of a first of its kind business that's opening in Chicago at the end of the year that I'm really excited about. And I only have a small part in creating that and not like the big ideation part. I take great pride in that, 
but it, it's iterating on a business model that exists. And, uh, and again, it's with really great, thoughtful partners that, that keep pushing me to do my best work. And hopefully they can say the same of me to them. So clearly, that is not from scratch either. And again, I apologize for being so uh, discreet with that, but Ben will probably share the announcement when it's public. Uh, but that thing that I'm working on for my job has taken my um, creative energy away from things like this podcast, which is probably, I think, what most people would point to as the thing that I have most made from scratch. In fact, in a brilliant uh, thing that I could not anticipate, Ben said as much in his introduction that I am the progenitor or something of this show. Ben, you're a liar. That's not true at all. I, I am only standing on the shoulders of giants, my friend. It is true the podcast literally exists because of me, but um, it existed in a form before as, as just, it was the Nerdalogs present your stories, but before that it was a show called The Nerdalogs Off Book. So the Nerdalogs is a sketch comedy group in Chicago. They, they pitched themselves as the vagina monologues, but for nerds. It was 2010, that was hipper. <laughs> It was cooler to say that, that wouldn't happen anymore. But they did a series of sketch shows and they were like, it would be cool to kind of have a room to try less, um, less intently written material. And thus Nerdalogs Off Book was born, hosted by our mutual friend Eric Roth. Mm-hmm. Well, at some point in Nerdalogs Off Book, they decided let's open it up to non-Nerdalogs people uh, because no one wants to come see us jerk ourselves off with new material. Pardon the, pardon the language. Other people should have a voice too. And so it became... That's what comedians do, guys. That's the whole Chicago comedy scene. It's trying to make other comedians think that you're funny. Um, so we opened it up to other people, and it was called The Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories. I wasn't even in the group at this time. In fact, I, I didn't even do a Your Story show until about three iterations in. Uh, at that time, the show was hosted by my friend and progenitor of The Nerdalogs, Kevin Reeder. P.S. The Nerdalogs was built out of another sketch group called, uh, oh my gosh, World's Best Dad. So even that, not, uh, not from scratch. So uh, about six months into doing your stories, Kevin Reader talked to me and my friend Dwight. We were in a cover band. He's like, you know, the show could really use music, and it could really use a host who uh, has a different energy than what we bring. Would you like to play songs and host the show? And I thought that was a cool opportunity. Uh, so I said yes. Dwight said yes. We've told that story a lot. That's how this collaboration was born. So I didn't even host the show until about eight, nine months into its existence. Uh, and I, we would just do music and, and perform songs at it. So about three months after that, I, um, I was really hurt by, uh, by a person who, it wasn't a relationship, but it felt like a breakup all the same. I was going through some really gnarly stuff. And every time I go through something like that, I find something new to get into. And that summer, it was podcasts. I started listening to things like Doug Loves Movies and Comedy De- uh, Bang Bang. I think it was Comedy Death Ray at the time. And I was like, I want to make a podcast. And I was hosting this show already. And I was like, Kevin, what if we recorded this show? And he was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if people are going to want their stories on the internet. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. People don't care. <laughs> and I, obviously, I asked everybody if it was cool. They all said it was cool. And so we started recording it. And this is about a year after your stories first existed. We released the first episode of the podcast. And so that whole chain, like it looks like it was my idea. And it kind of was because I was the one who put a mic in people's faces. But that show, it wasn't mine at all, right? And the show isn't mine anymore. In December, I had a show where I, uh, I passed it off to uh, two people who were stars of the show, Chris Crotwell, Shelby Mongan. They're actually getting, they met because of the show, and now they're getting married, which I thought was a really cool narrative. Um, I know, it's really sweet. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, making the show wasn't really for them. It, uh, something I guess they didn't anticipate until a couple months into it, which is why it's kind of fallen off lately, is like, 
producing a show is not, um, it's not necessarily the easiest or most thankful job. So thank you, Ben, for putting this together, by the way. Um, and so as much as like you're always standing on the shoulder of giants and you're always collaborating with people who've come before, there's also this issue of like, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll take what my friend Katie said to me. Uh, when I, didn't, I was having a birthday party, I didn't want to talk about this, but she cornered me and was like, what's happening with your stories? I'm like, Katie, I'm drunk, I don't want to talk about this. But she said to me a really thoughtful thing. She's like, you know, I think what kept the show so good was how much you cared about it. And so if I'm, I can toot my own horn for just a second, I think maybe... Like, yes, there was, there was a lot of scaffolding that was built before by the people in the nerdologues, by um, the audience members, by the first people who assented to have their voice recorded. But part of me, like, I've, I've been doing a lot of the work of holding up that scaffolding, because once the giants have established what they've built, you still have to do some upkeep. And kind of the sad truth of it is that, like, the, the mechanisms that do that upkeep have been fading. Um, something Ben doesn't know is that the Nerdalogs actually broke up this year, so it's very, very fitting that you um, mention them as well. Um, so that doesn't exist. Chris and Shelby aren't producing the show. I'm, I don't want to do the show anymore, so where are we? Well, we're here, right? <laughs> we're here in Ava, Illinois, outside Ava, Illinois. Um, I think what Katie, who by the way performs with me on the show, uh, said to me is really true. I think in a way it's like the love, the love someone brings. Right? You have to love something enough to want to uphold all of the infrastructure that's been built and everything that's come before. It's not making something from scratch, but it, there's still an element of bootstrapping. And I mean, I've said this so many times to Ben that he didn't need me for this show, right? He booked all of you. He put a band together. He did all his introductions. You're a great host, by the way. I've also never gotten through a song without fucking it up. Um, like, Ben cares about this show. Honestly, at this point, probably more than I do because I was ready to let it go and Ben's not. Which sounds like an insult, but it's very sweet. Um, but I don't want it to die. And it's not going to die. I don't know what happens with the Chicago iteration because Chris and Shelby um, are not doing it and that's the problem I have to solve. But meanwhile, Ben has helped me solve a problem because the fun news is that this show that you're at now... I think it's going to happen like twice a year and Ben's going to run it all by himself because he doesn't need me. He ta he's taken the infrastructure that people like Kevin Reeder and Eric Roth and, and me and yeah, Chris and Shelby have built and now he's doing it himself. And that's amazing. So uh, I'm really thankful for you, Ben, for bringing love back to the show. And uh, man, I mean, I, I don't think I'm a giant, but I'm glad that you can use, use the lifting I've done to um, continue something. And Literally, I'm never in... Seven and a half years. Trish, I've never seen a show where everyone stood up and gave someone a standing ovation before. That's literally never happened before. So there's still a lot of ground left to be covered in the show. And I thank you, Ben, and all of you for being here and helping cover that ground. All right, cool. Sorry to break from that. Indeed. It, it's, it's not as if that wasn't uh, expected for all that, because I, I just recently learned about you know, the, the whole hiatus, and the, you know, there was kind of an expectation of a bunch of shows planned over the summer that clearly weren't happening. We got a part one of a show, and we may never hear part two, I understand, and, and uh, all that. It, it's, it's all very complicated. Uh, but with that, uh, I, it's, Eric means so much to me. Uh, it's funny because I started listening to the show while we were remodeling our house, and I binge listened to every episode. And it was funny because it was all kinds of people I knew from college and around, like, oh, this is your story, this is your story. I know that guy, I know that guy. And again, it's too personal because it was me, but in between were the people I didn't know. 
in between with the stories I've never heard before and people from all walks of life. And my God, it is good to listen to a podcast where you're hearing someone bare their soul, for lack of a better word. It's very healthy to hear that. You know, you're not actually having the conversation with them, but you, you get to hear it. And it's so honest and so wonderful. And that means the world to me, to be able to... To, to be privy to that. It, it's, it's up to the this person and the storyteller to be able to put themselves in front of this microphone and say, I'm going to give you what I've got here. Please don't judge me too harshly for it. Um, it's incredible and it's awesome and it's harrowing and I love it. And that's why I love this, this podcast so much. Um, it, it was a favor that Eric came down to do the show with us tonight and I'm so grateful that he did. So where does that leave us? Yes, his announcement was uh, not incorrect. Uh, Every every six months or so is what we're looking at doing the show. We might do a winter show. Um, Tony and Kyle are incredibly gracious with their time and their busy schedules there, and they are hell of musicians, and I am an amateur singer uh, trying to be better. Um, (laughs) So we, we might be able to pull this together yet. Uh, but anyway, that, uh, that essentially uh, concludes our, our From Scratch, with the exception that we have one more tune for you. Um, Eric is going to come up and do a song that I... So I picked this song out for a few reasons. Um, it's a Bruce Springsteen song. Eric loves Bruce Springsteen. I love Bruce Springsteen. He released a new album. came out this week. Go listen to it. Um, I love him with a deep passion. And I've been looking for, <laughs> been looking for songs that are about... Uh, a person starting from somewhere and maybe ending up somewhere else. And I, I landed on the song that is just beautiful of his, that it, it tells a story not about the beginning, but more about the middle. And frankly, Trish, I picked the song up because of you. Um, and it is, it's fitting, and it's, it's all the things, and it's highly emotional, and it's beautiful, and it was covered by Kenny Chesney. And I'm going to give it to Eric. Ben Rather, everybody. I love Bruce Springsteen with a deep abiding passion as well. Western Stars is incredible. It's the first Bruce record that I would call beautiful. It's like this Glenn Campbell style 60s pop record. Oh my god. I listened to it driving down here and the, the open road is the place for it, let me tell you. Alright. Definitely listen to Tucson Train if you don't listen to any other track. So, one step up. There we go. I guess I'm singing to Trish on this one. Who knew? Says Ben. You know, the rest of you can enjoy it too, that's okay. Woke up this morning, the house was cold. Checked the furnace, she wasn't burning. Went out and hopped in my old Ford. Hit the engine, but she ain't turning. We're giving each other some hard lessons lately, but we ain't learning with her. Same sad story, that's a fact One step up and two steps back Bird on a wire outside my motel room But he ain't singing Girl in white outside a church in June but the church bells, they ain't ringing I'm sitting here in this bar tonight But all I'm thinking It's the same old story, same old act One step up and two steps back
back One step up and two steps back There's a girl across the bar I get the message she's sending she don't look that married to me Honey, I'm pretending Last night I dreamed I held you in my arms The music was never ended The dance as the evening sky faded to black One step up and two steps back One step up and two steps back Ben told me what songs to play, which is awesome, because like I said, he didn't need me for the show, and I'm happy to be a human jukebox, but I couldn't do the show and not, not throw in some surprises for Ben here, because, uh, I mean, he's the best, right? So I gotta do something he didn't expect, so I hope he likes it, and boy, these songs kind of transition nicely, so let's try it.
thing up. Jeez Louise, that was great. You too. Uh, connection there. Uh, he mentioned uh, podcasting, County Bang Bang, County Death Ray. Uh, Scott Ackerman went on to host this stupid podcast <laughs> that if you like you too, you should listen to. You talking you too to me? It's really good. And the sequel, Are You Talking REM? Remy. Both very good, dumb podcasts that you should check out uh, for all that. But Jeez Louise, thank you so much. Happy birthday, buddy. Um, I mean, it's it's uh, thank you so much, everybody, for coming out tonight. It means the world to me that you are here to see us all. So I appreciate it. Thank you. This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening.